Joe, Joe Hill and Cesar Chavez Who fought in their own time For our brothers and our sisters Up and down that picket line For the unnamed and unnumbered Who struggle brave and long For the union men and women Standing up and standing strong This Friday, February 16th, is the anniversary of one of the longest sit-down strikes in U.S. history. The year was 1937. It wasn't by male auto workers or even native-born workers. The sit-down was by 4,000 mostly Polish women cigar makers who closed down six Detroit cigar factories and one. The women worked long, grueling hours. I worked from 7 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the evening, recalled Helen Piłkowski a hand wrapper in one of the older plants. It was hot, and you couldn't open the windows because you would dry up the stock. We were just cooped up, and don't forget, we ate where we worked, on the same benches. The four operators on each machine are paid on a piecework basis, 84 cents each, 1,000 cigars. The strike committee at General Cigar complained. They average about $13 a week, with the pay of all four, depending on the speed of the slowest workers on the team. The wages which had been cut 35 to 50 percent since the start of the Great Depression in 1929, were among the lowest in Detroit. Toxic tobacco dust was always in the air, with ventilation poor to non-existent. The few available toilets were of a primitive type, or if modern, dirty, and often broken. The factory owners provided no soap or hot water. Sexual harassment from the foreman was routine. A citizens' fact-finding committee concluded that the workers have to work at terrific speeds, which affects them physically and mentally. They have become highly nervous and irritable, and at night they are so physically exhausted that a matter of recreation is prohibited. The women were inspired by the UAW auto plant sit-down strikes in Detroit and Flint. On February 16th, five days after the occupation of the General Motors plants in Flint, won union recognition for the UAW, workers at the Webston Eisenhower cigar factory sat down. They had put up a notice on the bulletin board in Polish telling the women to stay in. They had asked the management for a 10% raise but had been ignored. They stopped production but needed help organizing the workers. The women had no union. The conservative male-dominated craft-based AFL Cigar Workers Union had ignored the women's repeated pleas for help. So they sent a delegation to the UAW headquarters to demand the Polish-born Stanley Nowak, head of the Polish Trade Union Committee, be their organizer. They knew Nowak from his weekly Polish radio program and his frequent appearance at Dom Polski, Polish House, the main cultural center of Polish, Polish Americans in Detroit. Poles in this period were the largest ethnic group in the city. The UAW, already spread thin, initially refused to let Nowak go, but reportedly gave in when the 25 women in the delegation threatened to sit down in the office of the Secretary Treasurer, George Addis. Within six hours, the women had formed an organization. There were committees for drawing up demands, providing food, bedding, and childcare, and establishing a strike headquarters. In a matter of days, the other five cigar companies, Mazer, Cressman, Essex Cigar, Bernard Schwartz, Teggy Jackson, and General Cigar were also occupied. They won the complete support of the whole neighborhood, said Nowak. Churches and priests supported it. Small businesses supported it. Polish newspapers supported it. Everyone was in sympathy with the women. During the strike, the men, husbands, fathers, brothers, and sons, all found themselves taking on jobs that were usually the women's responsibilities, like childcare, housework, and gaining support outside the plants. On February 19th, the strikers held a mass meeting at Dom Polski, which ended in a huge march, passing all six factories. By early March, Mazur Kressman 
and Essex had agreed to the women's demands, but the strikes at the other four plants continued. Mayor Frank Cozens ordered the police to break up the strike. The police violently dragged women out of the factories and injured several. The response was similar to that experienced by the Flint workers. The women's occupation of the plants had been largely peaceful. The UAW was quick to react, threatening an industry-wide strike if police brutality continued. UAW leader Victor Ruther announced his famous two-for-one plan, two new plan occupations for every one eviction of its strikers. This threat brought in Governor Frank Murphy. Murphy brought both sides together in his office at the end of April. An agreement was signed. The cigar industry conceded to the women's demands, and a cigar union was established. On May 17, 1937, the Cigar Workers Union Local 24 became Active and affiliated with the Congress of Industrial Organizations, CIO. And that is our story for today. For the Past in the Past, I'm Harry Richardson.